So the direction of my thesis is around insurtechs and innovation. And the question I'm trying to answer is how insurtechs, how successfully or unsuccessfully they drive innovation or radical innovation in the insurance market. And that's why I've asked you for an interview because you are one. And I'd be really interested to get your, your thoughts on it. There's a few sort of background questions that I just wanted to capture, which would uh, just give a bit of a, a small little biography of yourself. Yeah. So maybe before we start, could you tell me a little bit about what you do, what your responsibilities are, and what area you guys work in? Yes, of course, of course. So I'm the CEO of Paperbox. Paperbox is a, a Belgium-based B2B software company that specializes in using AI and large language models to improve the efficiency in the insurance back office, specifically when it comes to processing emails, documents, attachments, and so forth. So what we see in the market is that a lot of insurance teams are dealing with uh, very heavy backlogs of client requests, broker requests that are coming in in a very unstructured way through email inboxes. Or we see even if there's a digital process, for example, a form for claim processing, we see there's a lot of documentation needed, like, for example, hospital records, payslips, other stuff. And all of this information needs to be sort of collected and gathered in one place. And that is a very manually intensive step. That's exactly what we solve with using uh, more advanced technologies. And uh, so I'm the CEO. I have the responsibility over, over the business, over our people. Specifically, I'm working on, on strategy and international education. So bringing what we are doing today with success in the Belgian markets, also bringing this to the market at a wider scale where strategic partnerships play an important role. So that's it in a nutshell. We've been around since 2021 as a spin-off of a large AI services provider and uh, have been gaining traction pretty much in a bootstrapped way where we're uh, operating independent of external investors. Perfect. Thank you. So you're from outside the insurance industry originally. Correct. Where do you see the biggest areas of improvement which insurtechs can deliver for the insurance industry as a whole? I guess there are many domains and see, we are very geared towards uh, the back office, right? Where I see so many inefficiencies, not just with how documents and emails are handled, but just in general, you know, this sort of mindset where people say, this is how we've always done things and it works. But the thing is, it doesn't work. There's a lot of not very exciting work to be done. There's uh, pressure on staff because insurers are growing, like the insurance industry as a whole is growing. People need more coverage in, in different ways. There's more regulation and it's increasingly harder to find staff, which means hiring is holding back the business. And why would outsiders want to work in insurance if it's full of outdated processes and technologies and so forth? But that is just the back office, right? Even more important could be the, the front office and how the industry is engaging with the market and with what customers need and how to better serve those customers in a fairer, more transparent way, but also more efficiently. Like I had to file a claim, like a very pretty straightforward hospital claim. And it took a couple of weeks for the insurer to get back to me with any response, not even solving the claim, but asking for more documentation and, and to get in touch with my uh, mutuality first. My conclusion is there is a better way. There should be, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously there's many more innovative domains in insurance, but as you mentioned, I'm I'm pretty much 
I'm coming from outside of the industry. So I've been trying to get my head around the industry as a whole, but then specifically the domain we're focusing on. I might not be the best person to tackle all of the individual innovative domains. The most important thing that is holding the industry back today is, is mindset, because there's so many possibilities. If you think about it, insurance is probably 10 years behind banking and financial uh, services, which are then 10 years behind e-commerce and more modern digital sort of industry. So there's a 20-year lag that we need to close. And so um, I think it's, it's a good opportunity for insurtechs like ourselves to rise and do new stuff. But it, there's also a strong need for the industry and, and its main actors to have the right mindset and the courage to drive that change. So glad you just said that. It, it reflects a lot of the things I've been thinking myself, but also reading a lot recently. Before I go into a few more in-depth questions, and again, I know that you said maybe you're not the right person to ask for all of the things, but actually it's always good to get someone who's from a tech side getting their view on what they have seen in the insurance industry. You've been to a lot of these conferences, like the InsurTech Insights and things like that. What are the three biggest radical innovations that you've seen being presented at these, or maybe not even that something like that, but something that you've come across mm. referring to the insurance market? There's one that comes to mind immediately, which I particularly liked, especially it's because it's so far from home, so to speak. But I've learned about an, um, an African insurance innovator that is providing basic human coverage like health, health insurance to African communities and geographies. I don't remember exactly which country. It's, it's been a few years ago. We can probably plug the link after because I think it's worth it to showcase what they are doing. Mm -hmm. They are addressing some underinsured regions where individuals don't necessarily have the habit of paying extra for things like insurance because maybe they don't have the cash availability or, or other reasons. And so what they innovated, what they solved for was they created this program where if you bring in like this, this huge plastic bag of, let's say, one cubic of plastic recyclable waste, this would give you X amount of credits for, for insurance coverage. And so what they saw was that many people started, because they have time on their hands, right? They might not have cash, but they have time on their hands. So they started cleaning the streets and, and cleaning areas, feeding recyclable plastics into a central place, resulting in more insurance coverage for huh. inheritance, which I thought was extremely clever. And such a simple idea, proving that such a simple idea can work and create impact at scale, I think that's, that's probably the coolest form of innovation, right? That's really cool. It's not just innovating the concept of insurance, it's innovating, I guess, cash. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in a, in a way that everyone understands, right? Because this, what I also find at these conferences, interestingly, is that if you believe everything people say or people claim, then it feels like we're already 10 years ahead in this industry, which we aren't, because then the next day people are going back to their day-to-day -day jobs where the reality is often very different from what is being discussed panels or on stage. So I think we also need some sort of maybe a, a more critical self-reflection and, and more honest debate on where we actually are today, between where we want to be. I'm not just talking about where we want to be or, or acting as if we're there already. What I mean is that maybe only a few percent of, of the industry would attend those conferences. And you always see very, yeah, a lot of familiar faces, which is nice. And I guess those faces are drivers, but we also should be very aware of yeah, the reality today, and, and for example, if we're, I mean, we're 
a big topic is large language models in insurance, right? Like how, how are large language models going to change distribution, change uh, maybe underwrite and all sorts of functions, which is like, it's a valuable debate. It's also something where we are investing in. But if, if you're dealing with a crowd where 90% of people find it difficult to properly structure their data in, in even a spreadsheet, and there's no, there's no data availability and there's, there's no data quality and there's no awareness of the need for data quality. We shouldn't spend all our time talking about large language models. Yeah. How do you rate the insurance industry in terms of being able to, or being capable of doing that on their own? On their own in the sense, uh, without all of the companies such as Paperbox and all of the other companies that go to these insurtech sessions or, or conferences saying, look at all the things we can do. And there are some companies that have strategic initiatives to, to basically do, try and or attempt to do all of that themselves. So there's two things I'm thinking. One is it's very hard to achieve innovation, whatever that means, but to make progress if you're only looking inwards. And this is not just for, for insurance, right? Attracting talent and senior managers from other industries into insurance is a proven way to, to drive new ideas and new initiatives because you're sort of disrupting the tunnel view effect. And this is what we're seeing in other industries much more, I guess, where talented people, where ambitious people are sort of changing roles. For example, a, a head of analytics or analytics leader would go from maybe retail to manufacturing industry and, and, and bringing new ideas that they've learned on the way. And we're, I guess, I, I don't have the numbers, obviously, but I guess this is an, an effect that we're not seeing as much as we should in insurance and that I'm convinced would positively affect. And then I, I don't mean just uh, the technology experts like ourselves. Like it's, it's technology is just a means to an end. You need visionaries and people that understand ins and outs of driving business, driving growth, driving innovation. There's a second thing to note is technically a lot of these things can be built in-house. Let's take Paperbox as an example, right? We do email and document processing at scale in a flexible way using machine learning models and large language models to extract data and information and insights that are needed for claims handling, for policy ad administration, for updating the system and making sure that more qualitative data is, is available in the system to drive decision-making, right? Would an insurance carrier be able to build that themselves? I think yes, right? They could be hiring machine learning experts. They could be hiring product development experts. They might be building a suite of more advanced technologies and have a, they have a roadmap to build it. So there's a, there might be a strong desire to be building things in-house, but it's going to take them a couple of years to get to a solution that is as streamlined, as robust as the one we're having, as the one... Yeah, this is our main thing, right? This is the only thing we do. So we better be really good at it. And if you could buy such a system and have the business impact and implications from day one, instead of having to build it yourself and then leveraging only the impact after a few years, after three years, combining that with the fact that I believe in-house innovation, obviously it's, it's a good idea and building things, but the question should be as a senior executive team, what specific innovation, what sort of technology disruption is going to put us in the market leading position? Like what is something that others won't be able to follow us with? And the way you, you ingest data is more of a, 
it's more of a generic need everyone has. So if you're an insurance carrier and you're not going to be able to distinguish yourself from others by having a more efficient back office, because that's not really felt in the market and that's not going to gonna make the, the difference. It's going to be super important for your internal P&L, for example. But I believe if you could spend those resources on distribution models, on maybe new pricing models and more strategic front office oriented uh, technologies, those resources are better spent. I mean, it, the general gist is have a good buy and build strategy. So it's not a matter of should we build it ourselves or should we should we leverage external providers? It's very much a combination where IT strategy should be a central piece in business strategy and not too, too independent area. And IT strategy is not just devices and working from home and, and other infrastructure. It should be really a driver towards yeah, business KPIs. From what you said, I mean, I, I agree with you that the technology has been there for ages and insurance companies, although they say, oh, we can do it ourselves, they've not, or at least most of them don't seem to have done very much of it. If they were, then, then there wouldn't really be much of a market for people like yourself to actually go into because it would already be done by the actual companies themselves. Mm-hmm. Having said that, though, you're quite a fresh startup and you've, you're going through all of the hard work of trying to gain traction and, and get into these companies. What's the, the biggest barrier for you guys or for insurtechs in general, rather, to really step up and get into the market? For us specifically, distribution is the biggest bottleneck. So I, we, have, we have existing customers. Customers are happy. We're driving business impact for them very soon after, after the implementation already. So it's sort of quick impact, quick results. But doing this at scale requires strong distribution, requires strong adoption. And I guess for us, the most difficult part is to get into this more traditional industry and get to speak with the right people that have this mindset of we need to change the way we work today. There's a better way we can do this. And I'm going to take personal responsibility of allocating budget on a project like this because I believe it's going to put us one step ahead. This is proven to be the most difficult because maybe it's a bit of a more of a risk-averse industry. Sort of, it's a bit more which is ironic, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. What I've learned over the last two years is we need to be patient. If you want to be successful as a technology innovator, as an external technology innovator to the insurance space, you need to be very patient. Like you might be doing the right things, but it's going to take the necessary time and steps to grow what you're doing. There will be setbacks, as with any startup. And if you have the patience and if you're you're taking it one step at a time. I believe in, in five to 10 years, impact can be made at a very large scale in the insurance industry. But what we're seeing today is that many insured techs are too impatient, right? They try to go too fast. They're creating these enormous visions and ambitions. A lot of investor capital is invested, goes directly into distribution because you need to prove traction and growth. But then the the solutions and the business models might not be as robust as expected. And there's sort of a a downturn from response, which is then negatively impacting the targets that are being driven by those capital investments, which creates 
a very difficult environment to thrive if you want to grow this fast. But if you take it, I mean, there's enough providers that prove you can be successful to the insurance industry, but there will be, my call is that there will be very little that are doing this in, in a few years. And it's, it's going to take more between five and 10 years. Like if you ask, if you ask one of the successful players, how long they've been building up to this moment of call it success in, in as an insurance solution provider. Yeah. It's taking time. So I guess this time aspect is, is a common denominator in, in the industry. You're throwing gold dust around you and trying to pick on, on which one to, to start off with. <laughs> Let's go back to the, um, investment part. You mentioned, basically, if I understood you correctly, you're saying there's lots of money coming in, but the actual investment or the amount of investment doesn't correlate, in your view, with the actual, either the success or the quality of the business model that's being presented. And now just a a bit of background, just because I've been doing the research on it recently. 2021, I think there was 15 billion US dollars of investment into inshore techs. Between 2012 and 2018, they only just reached $15 billion. So basically, 2021 had as much investment as the accumulated investment between 2012 and 2018. So huge amounts of money compared to just 10 years ago. Maybe on just on that background, could you elaborate a bit on on your thoughts there? Yeah, sure, sure. So I'm not not an expert in the field of InsurTech investments, right? But where I'm coming from is we are a player in the field and I've been trying to figure out as we go to what extent we want to work with growth capital to drive distribution up and to what extent we should focus on bootstrapping and being profitable as we grow. And there's no, there's no one true answer, obviously, but how the market responded in the last year is that probably 2021 was a bit too crazy and now there is a, there's a correction for that. And with too crazy, what I mean is that too much capital has been deployed into, into organizations, into companies, resulting in crazy expectations, right? If we bring this back to a basic concept of expectation management, if you're dealing with a customer and you are setting sky high expectations, even you have a good service, you're not going to meet up to expectations and the result will be a failed project, even though you have a good service, right? But if you, if you manage expectations correctly, then you're meeting expectations and and all goes well. What I'm trying to say is that I guess if we slow it down a notch and we follow the the natural flow of of growth, perhaps more interesting startups will be able to keep their heads above the water long enough to find something that really works. What I think we're seeing today is that many insurtechs are leaving the market again because they haven't lived up to expectations that were sky high to start with. So if you're going to these innovation conferences, you're going to see 10, 20, 30 new startups every time. But then the ones you saw a few years before, they they might not be there anymore, except for for a few. And I think the expectations of of startup growth, of software as a service, of uh, VC capital have sort of ruined it a little bit. And I think the wrong conclusion to make is that we shouldn't invest into insurtechs. But the capital markets are correcting and we'll see the result of that and and it's going to be interesting to follow. But that is sort of where where I'm coming from. And for paper books, up until today, so we're serving more than 12 customers. We have been profitable the last two years. We are growing at a decent growth rate. We have been able to build it up to this point without external investment. It doesn't mean that we're not going to 
look for external investment because there's there's this sort of sweet spot of how much you need to grow at an optimal level. And we're coming from a time where the starting point was how much can we get to grow as fast as possible, which I don't think is a healthy thing. Yeah. I'm going to be quoting a lot of this, by the way. It's great answers. Just leading on from that then, quite naturally, where do you see the future of InsurTechs then? You mentioned you think there are a lot of InsurTechs that are going to be falling out or have been falling out of the market because they've set far too high expectations and are not delivering on those expectations. Capital markets are going to be adjusting themselves. Do you think that this will result in there being less innovation because there are then possibly fewer players? Or do you think it will lead to more or better innovation because there are fewer players doing a much better job? I think we're going to see more innovation. First of all, because we need to, not just we as in insured text, or I believe incumbents will either get replaced and die or radically change and reinvent themselves. This is what we've seen in, in other industries as well the last 10 years. Market-dominating players of maybe 30 years or more that suddenly go out of business because they have failed to further develop themselves in a new era. And I'm betting that we're going to see some players leave the market that nobody would ever have guessed. But as the backside of that is that there will be other existing incumbents that will be able to develop a new rate of change. And there, I believe insurtechs are going to play a very important role to help support that growth. So there's going to be more collaboration between incumbents and insurtechs because of market demands, really, because of decreasing margins, because of increasing customer expectations. What we saw the last couple of years is those new kids on the block that are going to disrupt the whole market and then no incumbents will survive. I don't think that's going to happen, right? Some of them are, are just too big to fail and, and are going to be able to keep up, but they will, have to, they will have to further develop their own change programs and technology adoption. And some of that technology will come from external providers. Maybe moving on slightly, and it's maybe moving on and it was a slight step back because right at the start, you said innovation, whatever that is. That's exactly the question I want to ask you. How do you define innovation? Doing things better. Perfect. I like it. Just out of, out of the top of my head. But if you could ob objectively agree that we're doing things better than yesterday or than last year, we've been innovating. And in that sense, how do you see radical innovation compared to incremental innovation? If you're doing the things that you were doing yesterday, today, but better, more efficient, cheaper, with more quality... I think we're talking about incremental innovation. You're sort of improving the way you do things. Radical innovation is doing things completely different. Say you're accepting recyclable plastics as a payment form for health insurance. You completely different way to do it. So to me, that's a radical innovation. I would argue the way we are helping insurance carriers, brokers, MGAs, deal with their document workflows and their email backlogs is even though we're using state-of-the-art technologies and for example large language models we are incrementally innovating because we are taking the existing process and making it better with more data quality with less manual work at a lower cost more efficiently more scalable and so on 
but it's incremental because in essence, it's the same start and end points, sort of, more or less. Yeah. And uh, we sometimes get to get asked the question, like, aren't you solving an old problem, right? What, what if we would completely get rid of, of documents? What does that mean for paper books? Well, obviously, for us, that would mean we're, at least today, we wouldn't have as much business. But the reality is that we're not, yeah, we're not going to be able to get rid of this, uh, documents in the next maybe five to 10 years. I don't know. I mean, if imagine this is sort of a question that would come from an investor because they, they like to see really disruptive technologies and visionaries, which, which I think has its reason, obviously. But if you walk down uh, the Lloyd's markets, the reality is completely different. And I believe incremental change is needed before disruption or in parallel with disruption, or both are needed, both have their use. If you're going to tell an insurer like, hey, as of next year, January, we're just going to stop with any documents. So no, no PDFs, no documents. You'll have to put everything in a digital form or process. It's it simply, it's not going to work. Yeah. But maybe if you have a new product like cybersecurity, AI risk and so forth, like a new insurance product, maybe you'll find a better way to, um, to structure the processes behind it so that it's not so document heavy which again is a step forward in, in, in the direction we want to be. So would you say then that for radical innovation to take place, most of that would need to take place, for example, within the actual product creation at the insurance companies themselves? That's my gut feeling, yes. That's sort of the ideal breeding ground to try out new things because we you need to experiment, right? You need to have this safe experimental environment where you can do A-B tests, where you can do all sorts of things. So yeah, I agree. That's probably, it's it's unlikely to be the only way to do radical innovation. But my guess is that's where you can start for sure. Ah, very interesting. I think oh, we'll, we'll probably stop here. We've come covered pretty much all of the, the questions I have. Not quite in the same order. I've written them down, but it's, it's fine. Thank you so much, Frederick. Take care, David. Bye-bye.